0: What's up, family? You are tuned into Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. In addition to Governor Gavin Newsom's announcement that he is sending the California Highway Patrol to Oakland to help deal with, air quotes, crime, he has also committed $1.2 million for automated license plate Readers. Joining us to discuss is Brian Hofer, the Executive Director of Secure Justice, a nonprofit that advocates against state abuse of power and for reduction in government and corporate overreach. He has also been the chair of Oakland's Privacy Advisory Commission since 2016. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Cat.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. Brian, you are the chair of Oakland's Privacy Commission. What is that body and what is its responsibility to the people of Oakland?
1: Uh, we're supposed to vet surveillance technology proposals and then make recommendations to the city council that we believe will defend civil liberties and our privacy interests and also make sure that the equipment is effective at achieving its stated goal.
0: We will get to to exactly the description of y'all's responsibility in just a moment, um, but what is an automatic automated license plate reader? How do they work?
1: Uh, They use optical character recognition. There's both fixed and mobile. Uh, In the past, Oakland has been using a number of mobile readers, which are attached to vehicles. They scan any license plate reader that comes within view, all of them indiscriminately, uh, whether you're suspected of wrongdoing or not. And we retain that data for a period of time. I have actually not seen or heard uh, anything directly about this proposal other than what you guys are seeing in the media, Um, but it's been reported that we're going to get fixed readers, which would be attached uh, at least permanently or semi-permanently, probably to like freeways and certain busy corridors.
0: Brian, you say you haven't seen anything about this proposal other than what we were all seeing in the media, but we started this conversation with you saying that you're supposed to vet the surveillance technology that comes into the city of Oakland. How'd they skip over y'all?
1: It's a great question. Uh, Still trying to figure that out. Uh, I haven't been contacted by a single person from City Hall and the Privacy Commission as a body has not. Uh, So I, I can't tell you know, maybe is this just a premature press release, like, "Hey, help is on the way," or have we actually taken some formal action um, that went outside our surveillance ordinance and maybe violated it?
0: I mean, it sounds pretty formal in in his press release and in the statements that Governor Newsom made to multiple media outlets. Brian, you actually have personal experience about what can happen when this surveillance technology goes wrong. Talk to us about what happened to you and your brother um, coming back to the town after a Thanksgiving celebration with your family.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's a really critical thing. I, I hope your audience hears. You know, and We can talk about efficacy or the lack thereof uh, certainly as well. 99.99% of all data that has historically, all across the country for more than a decade, been collected by automated license plate readers is never used. It's never used for public safety, uh, and this is the the true mass surveillance nature of this technology. It just hoovers up everything in sight, even though uh, it's not helpful. We pay for storage. The downside to holding this data is. What happened to me? Um, I'm going to call it a a data hygiene error. And there's a couple that I'm going to describe. My brother and I were coming home from Thanksgiving after visiting our parents. And an automated license plate reader, a fixed one on the I-80 corridor, uh, alerted sheriff's deputies to uh, say that our vehicle was stolen. It obviously was not. Uh, We were pulled over um, by the Contra Costa sheriff's deputies. We had four guns uh, pointed at our head. My baby brother was thrown on the ground, had a gun put against the back of his head, executioner's style. Uh, we were illegally searched, arrested, a car was illegally searched. Uh, thankfully, we were not shot. Um, we did file a lawsuit and the taxpayers had to pay for that. Another data hygiene error, um, which sounds even more scary, uh, Denise Green in San Francisco, uh, these readers have a known error rate of at least 10%, which if you calculate it, millions and millions of scans every day, means a lot of people get misidentified. Uh, this woman's plate scan was off by one digit. Seven San Francisco police officers threw her on the ground, put guns against their head, taxpayers paid half a million dollars. Uh, you probably know Zach, uh, the former executive director of um, Ola Baker Center. He and his partner, his two small children, this is another data hygiene error. Somebody switched the license plates because a lot of these vehicles that are involved in crime are stolen, or they have stolen plates, which defeats the purpose of the license plate reader being able to identify them. He and his partner and his two children were thrown out on the ground also at gunpoint. Somebody had swapped plates from a truly stolen vehicle and put it on the head. And the police, who are just relying on this automated alert, um, end up, you know, using force against people like this. So, you know, this crowd that's just like, hey, you've got nothing to worry about. If you're not doing anything wrong. You know, there's no big deal. That's just totally not true. There are horror stories all across the country of people being detained at gunpoint due to um, technology error.
0: And I'll just make the leap for my listeners. I mean, luckily, in all three of the cases that you mentioned, even though that's lifelong trauma, right, from having an experience like that, you all walked away alive. That is not necessarily always the case, particularly when black and brown people are pulled over by law enforcement who presumes that they've done something wrong.
1: I think 99% of the comments on my social media were, thank God for your skin color, because you're right. I, I didn't get harmed, whereas somebody else that was black is going to have uh, way different odds of getting harmed.
0: Absolutely. Is there any recourse, Brian, uh, for folks? I mean, you filed a lawsuit. Is there any other recourse? Are there laws in place anywhere to protect people from these kinds of experiences?
1: I mean, we have a ton of laws. I mean, that's the other big frustrating part about Oakland. Is like I'm in a three-year lawsuit still, and the majority of it is over license plate readers. Our police department has violated the state law that governs ALPR. They violated the surveillance ordinance. They violated their own use policy for like six or seven years now. Um, and the council keeps saying, oh, we're going to work with the Privacy Commission and you know, we're going to have a great policy. Nobody, nobody cares about accountability. They haven't followed any of the rules that are in place now. So while a civil rights lawsuit is possible, you know, how many people have the means and the legal knowledge like I do to go actually advocate for myself and and find an attorney and and afford an attorney uh, and, and, you know, try to get compensation. Not a lot of people have that privilege. Um, And and even if you do prevail, it's like, you know, the officers aren't held accountable. The department doesn't suffer any consequences. It's my own fellow taxpayers that are going to be paying my attorneys.
0: Right. And I'll, I'll say again, the lifelong trauma of being pulled over like that and having guns put to your head, that's not something that you just, you know, s- skip a beat and, and, yeah. and keep on pushing. That is a that is lifelong impact. Brian, I know that you said that you haven't seen anything about this proposal, so I'm, I'm going to change this question a little bit. When this technology, When this technology is placed in cities, what typically are the communities that they get placed in? And how does that further compound the other types of surveillance that happens in them?
1: Yeah, that's that's a wonderful question, and that's what I've already seen reported. is 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 concerning to me that they're talking that it's going to be on international and on certain freeways, you know, in the east. Um, people need to understand that these systems. Yeah, exactly. Um, people need to understand that these are not isolated systems we have a surveillance ecosystem. It's not just license plate readers or shot spotter, or cameras or cell simulators. There is a an armada of technologies in use by many law enforcement agencies, not the Oakland, just the Oakland Police Department, that are concentrated, almost forming like a ring around like East Oakland or West Oakland, which is primarily black and maybe now black and brown. And so, of course, if you only enforce crimes against a certain community, or you only look for crimes in a certain community, you're going to dramatically over-police those folks. And that's you know led to another problem to where we've like banned predictive analytics and such. And one is because we have this data that is obviously skewed through a racial lens and the police are using that to say, well, that's where the crime is. So of course we have to go there. It's not racial profiling, we're fighting crime. It's like, no, you're only selecting a certain population to enforce these laws against. Um, and that's what it's its always been. It's like, you know, we could go find major crimes if we go up in the hills in Piedmont, or, you know, just look at Wall Street mm-hmm. on any single day of the year. But we don't do that. We go police these other folks. And, and that's, you know, what the Privacy Commission would be vetting is the place and the location and to look for racial profiling. But, um, you know, that's why we're in litigation because that system has broken down in Oakland.
0: Brian, am I remembering incorrectly, or is this something we beat back out of Oakland several years ago? I feel like we've had this uh, conversation like, before.
1: Yeah, we, ha- we have had this conversation. We've also had, you know, um, the Privacy Commission has recommended a two-year moratorium twice. And, uh, you know, the, the council has punted it, you know, back to the Privacy Commission a couple times because it's a hot, hot button item that folks didn't really want to deal with. Um, in October last year, uh, then Councilmember Member Tao brokered um, a sort of compromise policy. Um, and just to let folks know, you know, we actually did have a majority in support of the moratorium. And, and the police probably knew that. And so they slow walked it till it got closer to the election. And that's when, you know, all the people that claim to be data-driven are suddenly not data-driven because it's election points. <laughs> you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of media hysteria going on. Uh, and so they flipped a couple folks and they got this compromised policy. Well, that policy was violated almost immediately. And, you know, so when I hear these elected officials say, we mean it this time, we're really going to have a solid policy. Uh, this technology is going to save us. It's like, what are you paying attention to? They're not following any of the rules. The data shows they're not effective crime-fighting tools. It can be defeated by just no plates or fake plates, swapped plates, Uh, the statistical average of, of even just getting a hit, let alone an arrest is basically a statistical zero. In July, the police department provided its annual report for last year's data to the Privacy Commission. And they said they couldn't find any definitive cases where license plate readers helped on an active investigation for the whole year. So why are we going out and getting $1.2 million worth of these things? They're just, you know, I mean, where it's Yeah, it's when I, I hear $1.2 argument. million
0: dollars coming to the city of Oakland, I think of the thousands of people that are sleeping on the streets that sure could use that money to get inside. Yeah. Brian Hofer, yeah. the city of Oakland says it's a sanctuary city. How does this kind of move to place these readers and communities fly in the face of that assertion?
1: It should scare anybody that cares about, you know, their legal immigration status, uh, gender-affirming care, reproductive rights care. You know, we've seen dramatic changes in the definition of crime just in the last couple of years. We know firsthand already that California law enforcement, which is prohibited by state law from sharing data, license plate reader data, without a state or the said, they're doing it. We know that. We've seen it in their documents. There has been lawsuits. Uh, Larger entities like the ACLU and EFF are are going after a number of folks right now. I'm suing Oakland over this. So, you know, folks that, you know, maybe previously never cared about such things uh, or have never, you know, thankfully had a negative interaction with the police need to understand that the definition of crime can always change. And when you have a surveillance system in place that is always collecting data, data that might have been benign or not at risk earlier is now suddenly at risk. And that's why we never tell anybody that our sanctuary laws are bulletproof because they're not. Whether there's a hack or a breach or intentional sharing, data collected is data at risk.
0: Uh, Brian, I want to tug on on one of those threads, the definition of crime changes. What do you mean by that? Can you give an example?
1: Yeah, like how abortion and gender-affirming care are now getting criminalized. Uh, We've broadened the scope. You know, there's also all these tough-on-crime sentinel bills and other bills, and, and I understand, you know, that we have, you know, really significant problems here. The unfortunate part is that we're just going back to the war on drugs mentality. We're afraid to try something new because the safest political thing is enforcement. So we just keep going back to the same failed policies of the past.
0: And that's definitely my frustration. Brian Hofer, you mentioned some of the lawsuits that are out there. I want you to talk, if you will, about some of the companies that make this technology. Like, I don't know if I'm saying their name right, Rekor, R-E-K-O-R. They were sued not too long ago for a scheme um, in producing these these pieces of technology basically to target people without auto insurance and promised investors big profits.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is a massive network of both private and public vendors out there. Uh, in the early sort of Trump era, uh, we were always worried about Vigilant Solutions, which is uh, headquartered in Livermore here in the Bay Area, because they had an ongoing contract with ICE to supply data to them. And California police chiefs, including in sanctuary cities, were commingling their data and exposing it to ICE. We've already seen that happen. And now that Vigilant is sort of on the outs in California because of our state law, a new vendor flock has come in. And with deep, deep, deep uh, venture capital pockets has really just taken over the national market. And they are doing both public and private uh, use as well. They go to Homeowner Association, uh, definitely uh, repo guys. Uh, They, you know, drive around shopping mall lots and, and look for you know cars that they might be repossessing and other things going on. And so there is this massive, massive network of of license plate readers out there that generally commingle all the data and make it available to anybody, you know, with a subscription. Um, and it's becoming, you know, extremely problematic for folks, especially on the lower end of the income scale, when you're constantly getting penalized Uh, and getting maybe further into debt or losing a vehicle to get to a job um, and and just kind of furthers that cycle.
0: Can you talk a little bit about, I know that you've, you've touched on it, but that is sort of my biggest concern is about who this data could be sold to, what agencies and institutions that then hold on to it and utilize it.
1: Yeah, all the big data brokers, you know, the the feds, you know, seems pretty much it's just permanent gridlock. There's just no data broker regulations. There's no real federal privacy law uh, that has any teeth to it, really. Uh, I mean, HIPAA is good for medical data, but not a lot else, or nothing else, I should say. Um, and and so it's it's really the wild west. Um, we saw when abortion started getting criminalized, like. All these period tracking apps and and other apps were immediately, immediately pivoted to this whole new market of selling data, website search traffic for people looking for birth control and so on. Like all this data is being uh, collected and sold on the private data broker market and there's no real regulation. And so these license plate readers and other vendors are are just feeding that same um, marketplace.
0: what happens to the data once it's collected? How long is it stored, and can it come back to bite folks in the backside at a later date?
1: Uh, it, it depends where you are. Uh, in California, there's no minimum or maximum. Uh, I, you know, In the old days, the average used to be about two years, came down to one year. It's, it is getting a lot shorter. I'd say maybe the California average is six months but you still have outliers like Los Angeles at five years. Um, I know from my own audits that that is useless for, like, violent crime investigating. Um, but it could certainly harm you if you've you know, done something uh, in the past that gets later, you know, redefined as a new crime, uh, and they're able to recreate your path with this location data. Um, so again, you know, I just say any data collected is data at risk. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Brian, let's play a game of what if, what if this had gone through the actual process and gone to the privacy commission, what would you all have said to the city of Oakland?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, we twice unanimously said. Stuff isn't working. it does not meet the cost benefit standard that it needs to legally uh, under our ordinance, and we think we should take and we you know aren't trusting the police to follow the rules, so let's take it to your timeout period. We thought that was politically viable enough for the council. Uh, it wasn't uh, because of that election. Um, it, you know I myself. I'm immune, I think, pretty much to political pressure. I do my job. I think most of my colleagues uh, do their jobs based on the data, because that's what we're supposed to do. I think the Privacy Commission is well known, even to our critics, uh, that we do our due diligence. So without new data showing there's suddenly magical efficacy that we've never seen before, to me, it fails, again, on the same standard. It isn't very effective at crime fighting. And because there is a civil liberties and taxpayer impact, when the benefits are supposed to outweigh the cost, it fails under that standard.
0: And, Brian, one more time for the folks in the back who are like, well, this this won't impact me. I'm a law-abiding citizen. Why should they care if their data is collected and stored?
1: Yeah, a couple things. One, mass surveillance. Has never not been abused at any time in human history under any form of government. So, just as a as a as a practice, as a concept, anyone that cares about civil liberties should have concerns just by the the nature of this technology. But secondly, the the data hygiene errors are many, many. Um, I mean, I could. I could fill your inbox with thousands of horror stories. That's just what I know about. That either due to, you know, misscanning of the digits to a a license plate that shouldn't be on a hot list, uh, to stolen plates, misidentified vehicles, that when your data is collected, it could be by, by accident turned into something far worse to where use of force or guns are getting pulled on you. Um, That is what folks need to understand is that this isn't just benign collection of data where as long as nobody looks at it, you're not getting profiled or or whatnot. It is always possible that there's going to be a technical error uh, that leads to a gun getting put in your face.
0: Brian, I'll say again, this did not go through the channels it should have. It did not go through the Privacy Commission. Is there a way for Oaklanders to fight back? What recourse do we have? Um, Is and is there a way for them to engage with the Privacy Commission to say, "No, we don't want this in our community"?
1: Uh, They can certainly always come to the Privacy Commission. Uh, We meet on the first Thursdays of each month. I, you know, it's a little hard right now to get a hold of some folks just because of the August recess. I imagine, I hope, uh, that I'm getting some information by the end of August, because um, I would expect to probably put this on the agenda. Um, you know, uh, a private citizen could sue to block if this does violate our ordinance. I, I'm not alleging that today because I, I actually I have no idea what's coming. I don't actually know other than this dollar amount it, it has been you know, released in, in the press, but it's possible that it violates the ordinance and so folks could sue. Um, we're maybe heading towards mediation soon in my lawsuit, so I imagine we'll be talking about it as well.
0: All right, Brian, I've got to leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on this morning.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law & Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.